0: Welcome to The Truth CSGO Podcast, episode 78. Today we're talking the Berlin-style outer major, week one, new challenges stage, roster changes for order, ancient, Ents, heroic, and envy, and a chat about sleep and mental health. Hey guys, this is Lefkir. Hey guys, I'm Guardian. This is Dabs. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris Jade. This is Farah. Godzera. This is Karigan. Are you listening to Truth? The Truth. The Truth. The Truth. The Truth. The Truth Truth CSGO Podcast. The Truth CSGO Podcast. The Truth CSGO Podcast. The We rushing in? What are we doing, sneaky peaky like? Now, before we jump into the last week of the majors, let's just talk quickly about the Patreon. We have actually hit the very first target of the Patreon very quickly. Uh, so, thank you very much for your support. You guys are now paying for the server costs, which is amazing has been two years I've been forking out for that. So that's awesome. Thank you very much for getting involved. And the next tier is yet to be decided, but I think it'll be some sort of amount I'll decide on to pay a news assistant to help me with the news every week. And hopefully that'll make it a lot easier for me to get a podcast episode out every week as opposed to every 1.5 weeks, as has been the average up until this point. Now, there's so much news to talk about, especially the Style Out of Berlin Major first week, aka the new Challengers stage, and there are some upsets. There were some very, very juicy upsets, but generally, on the whole, it kind of went as we were expecting. Uh, it didn't go as my pick 'ems were expecting, <laughs> because I pick 'em for the memes, guys. Just relax. All right? Now, finishing 3 0 was Sports and North. Sports, kind of really uh, performed as we expected them to. North performed a little bit better than I was thinking they would, but that's a great sign for them moving forward. Crazy uh, at G2 and NRG were in the 3-1 bracket. Crazy were as good as I thought they were going to look. G2 are continuing that uh, upswing of the last few months. NRG performed slightly better than I thought they would. I'm always a little bit cynical about Stanislaw, but uh, it appears that those guys really just have enough of a solid core to pull themselves out of... Uh, you know the sorts of maps that you think they might get upset on uh, the 3-2, the other teams that went, went through were Avanguard, Dream Eaters and Vitality now Dream Eaters had a bit of a surprising run those guys actually beat uh, NRG in their very first game nineteen seventeen. Vitality also in a best of one and then Forza to put themselves through this was definitely out of the blue for me I hadn't watched enough of them at the minors to really know that this might happen and of course teams like Forza I just had a much better idea of uh, you know Jerry, Facecrack those guys have been on my um, radar for a while XC Power and I guess it's a bit of familiarity bias but Dreamers are now doing the sort of QB Fire run that we saw a couple of years ago or a couple of majors ago or a year and a half ago God, time in, time in CSGO is just like a, an accordion You know, it stretches and it compresses uh, every time you turn your back uh, so <clears throat> as I said Forza were beaten by Dream Eaters and that was a bit of a uh, surprise to see them go out I should mention Vitality, those guys had a very bumpy start uh, losing to some lower teams but then managed to pull through and have been looking better in the first day of the new Legend stage which we'll talk about uh, in a moment Forza, shame to see them go out. Simon also went out in the 2-3 bracket, um, which was kind of to be expected. And a Greyhound as well. Uh, but Greyhound had a slightly better performance than I thought they were going to have. And it looked like the um, impending removal of Urkast to uh, slightly more Mongolian shores appeared to have somewhat of an effect on their uh, chemistry. Those guys were popping off, um, especially Dexter, at some very key moments. It's a shame to see that that lineup won't survive beyond this because... They were definitely on the ascendance, uh, or at least this performance felt like they were. It could be that uh, Urkast might be being replaced by Inns. Uh, that's purely speculation at this moment. We'll talk about that in a moment as well. But uh, yeah, one of the other things about Greyhound that was kind of interesting is that Neil M. Uh, has had a lot more screen time at this point, and he's a very um, interesting, intriguing figure. You probably know him from his reactions behind that team. He definitely wears his emotions on his sleeve. One of the other things that I find kind of weird or, well, I shouldn't say weird, but slightly um, intriguing is the best word, is his relationship with the ex-Valiance team members who he used to be the coach of. Those guys are obviously now crazy. Uh, and every time Nexa has some sort of tweet, Neil seems to... Um, tweet as well. So, when Crazy went through, Nexa, the IGL of Crazy, who's absolutely looking um, like a, an amazing addition to the, the top tier CSGO scene, especially coming out of this major, he said, uh, fucking did it, so happy right now, good game dream eaters, and good luck in your decider game legends. And Neil tweeted in reply, there it is, the tweet I've been waiting a year for, where you belong lad, fucking unreal mate of mine, and of course, fragging IGL. Now, what's... <laughs> What's interesting about Neil is that he it's almost like he seems to want to tell the world that uh, Nexa is his mate. He said it on several tweets. And in fact, that evening when Crazy uh, qualified, he posted a video of himself having drinks with them in the bar. Despite the fact that Greyhound, his team, had a best of three against Vitality the next day. So, I don't know. It's kind of weird. He looks like he's a very likable character. But I am beginning to question how much he is contributing to that team in the way of anything other than pure enthusiasm. Absolutely pure speculation on my behalf. I would love to speak to him or anyone in Greyhound to work this out. Um, But anyway, that was just some stuff that was going through my mind watching these guys. Uh, Now, in the 1-3 bracket, we had Complexity and Hellraisers. They've been knocked out. We'll talk about Complexity in a moment because there was an amazing tweet from Jason Lake that came out. Hellraisers did perform um, somewhat as expected. I wasn't expecting good things from them. Uh, It is a shame to see Oscar, the tier one player of last year, relegated to such an underperforming team. And I also think it's weird that uh, Angel doesn't get a little bit more flack considering the type of flack that players like Zeus sometimes get for underfragging. He is, of course, one of the best personalities in the scene as far as I'm concerned and obviously has some very good things to teach younger players. But at this point in time, he's fragging far below Zeus and Exist. And I don't think this team can last much longer. I think there's going to be a a big shuffle up with these guys soon. Uh, Now, Tyloo and Ince were the other team to go 0-3. Oh, and of course, uh, Furia, which was a bit unexpected. Tyloo, it is a shame to see those guys couldn't do much more here than the 0-3 because they have had the roster change recently, but I think they're still plagued by communication issues, and I don't think that team can last much longer. Considering Vichy didn't get anywhere close to this major this time, you might see another little shake-up with those guys in the near future. Ince didn't perform as I expected, I didn't think they'd go through, but I did think that it would be because KNG might not have had the uh, motivation to um, really shoulder the load here, but actually he did the opposite and was the top fragger in all of their games. So he's gone out on a personal individual high, uh, but a shame not to go out on a on a team high before he joins MIBR, which incidentally was leaked by his mother on her Instagram <laughs> <laughs> that he's now signed the contract um, so that was kind of funny now Furia of course were uh, there was a bit of a disappointing showing from those guys I did expect them to go through I know they have been their aggressive style has been much studied now since they burst on the scene a few months ago but uh, I thought they would still have the skills to get through, obviously not the case and I think one of the um, uh, there's a, there was a, a discussion on Reddit about these guys going out and I think there was a user called Hapuna Makata who had an, in, uh, an opinion that I thought was actually quite good. Um, and so I'm going to repeat it here. Her, so this was in response to a user saying, um, to be honest, I never understood the hype train about Furia. They had one to two good events, if I recall, where no one knew how they played. And after people learned, they weren't as impressive anymore. And Hapuna, Hapuna Makata, yeah, I'm saying that right. It's not Hakuna Matata, it's Hapuna Makata said, the issue was that it was happening around the same time Ensign Vitality were rising in the ranks. So the wider narrative was that these new teams are becoming dominant forces, overthrowing the old guard. The consistency and the success of Ensign Vitality projected onto Furia. I actually think that's a very astute observation about how that scene was exactly at that time because that really was the narrative that suddenly there was this new guard of teams coming in. Um, And so it appears like Furia probably did share some of that narrative that Ensign Vitality were actually propelling forward. And perhaps his team didn't have quite the solid structure of those two teams, the experienced players like Alou and, uh, you know, NBK, RPK, Apex, and that sort of thing. Um, So that's something to think about with those guys. And of course, the dreaded five-year contract now has has reared its ugly head in much of the commentary online, but I think they'll be back. They're obviously determined enough to do something interesting. Uh, you know, what What was kind of a shame about these these guys was they went out to Simon, Forza and Crazy. Now, Crazy might be expected, but going down 0-2 to Simon was definitely unexpected. I think there's going to be some welling and gnashing of teeth on that Brazilian side for sure. Now, as I said, the there were some upsets at the start, uh, but the rest of the results were pretty straightforward um, in terms of, uh, you know, Odds, um, but let's talk about this complexity um, tweet because the moment they lost uh, Jason Lake, the moment they were knocked out, I should say. In fact, they were knocked out by Greyhound, which was unexpected. Um, I didn't predict it at all. I thought those guys had a lot more experience and structure than uh, Greyhound might have had, and Def was looking like a pretty confident in-game leader. Not to mention the fact that they were very positive out of their coming out of their boot camp. Uh, But this prompted a tweet, this loss from Jason Lake, the CEO and owner of Complexity, or no wait, Complexity is owned by the Dallas Cowboys. I guess he's the CEO. But he immediately tweeted out, I love our players as individuals, but these results won't be tolerated. If you're a tier one player looking for a fresh start at the best facility in the world, hit me up. I'll pay your buyout and give you the world's highest salaries. Let's build a juggernaut. Spread the word. Amazing. Uh, some of the top rated responses to this were from um, Pasha uh, and Hobbit uh, and Smuya <laughs> and Kiyoshima <laughs> and Michael Ailey and Kalzira. Uh, so this definitely got the attention of some of the tier one players who were sitting around on the couches. Um, and it did stir up a bit of controversy with people criticising him for being too harsh too quickly on some of the players who'd obviously tried their hardest. Uh, and he responded, to be clear, I discussed this tweet and our way forward with our players before tweeting it. I care about our, gu- our guys, but I also have a job to do. Nobody in the world loves this game more than me, and it's time to win again. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really uh, see that this, uh, there's a huge problem with this tweet. Obviously, it is kind of harsh towards the players who lost, but um, at the end of the day, they did lose, and that's not their job. Their job is to win. One of the uh, Reddit comments, actually, I'm going to quote here again too because I thought they made quite salient points. This was a user called PT In response to this tweet being posted on Reddit, he said, What did Jason Lake expect, to be honest? Complexity arrived in Berlin with painful stats on LAN in 2019. They had 36 maps played they had a win ratio of 33% and a KD ratio of the team combined of point 0.9. In addition to this, they had Oboe, the youngest player ever to play a major, and Def, who took the IGL role after Stanislaw's departure, with only over just two months of work with the team in the new roles. I think that's actually a very, very uh, salient point. And one of the reasons I think this tweet garnered so much attention is because his, his intentions, which he uh, made very clear as building a, a juggernaut, <laughs> paying tier one players and giving them the world's highest salaries seems to be somewhat at odds with the way complexity has assembled this roster over the last, uh, well, couple of years, in fact. And it makes me wonder who is responsible for this. I did tweet this. Uh, tweet this. I did ask this of DK in one of his articles. I'm not sure if anyone actually knows. Uh, I was suspicious um maybe a year and a half ago when Sick did a tour. There was a video that Complexity made of Sick doing a tour of the, Comple- of the Complexity facilities, meeting Jason Lake, uh, meeting Warden, who is the team manager, and sort of being quartered to join the team. I think he joined them as a streamer for a while and then went to Envy. But the minds in charge of that team and that facility and the building of Complexity at that time, which I think was kind of the beginning of them getting back into CSGO in a big way, It struck me as a little bit, um, I I shouldn't say weak, but a little bit diluted. It didn't seem like there was anyone really, really sharp um, running that tool shed. Um, But I might be wrong. I have no idea. I'm not surprised though. And I think more than anything, if Jason Lake wants to return this team to a tier one team, He needs someone sharp in charge of uh, getting the best players rather than taking a stab in the dark with players like the ones we've seen on Complexity in recent times, like Rike, who wasn't really uh, impressing before he came to that roster. Um, Shazam, who I think has played partly some of the best CS on that team, but also wasn't exactly a Tier 1 player before he joined them. Um, And... And the same goes somewhat for deaf. Now, one of the other controversies coming out of this first week was around uh, the issues of copyright, because StarLadder slapped a couple of people with DMCA's for streaming the major concurrently through GeoTV and commentating it on them, uh, you know, on their own streams uh, without the um, actual official commentary. Now, this has always been allowed for CS:GO majors because in Valve's terms of service. They state quite explicitly that no one has the rights to the GOTV stream and that everyone can stream over it uh, stream it themselves on the private channels or the public channels if they so desire. But Starletters uh, DMCAs were issued much the consternation of people like War Owl and Flom who came out and criticized them, perhaps less for the fact that they were um, going against the terms of service, um, at least... After a while, because Valve didn't come out and say that yes, Style Ladder was correct to do this, or yes, StarLadder, or no, StarLadder was wrong, and StarLadder in fact came out and said, "Look, here's the deal: if you want to uh, use this in your own personal stream, then you're going to need to put uh, our ads and our sponsorship requirements on your own stream as well." Now, the fact that Valve has still hasn't talked about this, and we're over a week into the major now, suggests that perhaps. There might have been a deal made between Starladder and Valve without consideration of the actual terms of service and that possibly that's been a mistake on someone's side and probably Valve's side. Um, Otherwise, I'm sure Starladder would have probably had to do some sort of uh, corporate um, (laughs) face-saving maneuver. Um, But I think this might be a screw-up in the way the rights were assigned to Starladder. That's speculation, of course, and only time's going to tell. I think one thing we have to think about is that even though the majors have so far been allowed to be streamed on, on, per, on people's um, personal streams, I think it's not necessarily that that is the standard we should all expect. Um, And I think to expect that purely because we've had it for four or five years is somewhat entitled because if you think about the way broadcast TV has traditionally worked, um, it's actually quite different. Uh, For instance, if you think about Valve as being the owners of the IP of the game, it's not that dissimilar to someone who creates a TV show like Survivor and then licenses it to various countries to produce their own version. That version is then one Um, piece of content, that also cannot be commented over and broadcast at the same time. Uh, And that prevents basically people from creating their own versions of your TV show in real time. Now, I don't think one is necessarily better than the other and obviously we live in a different age uh, of the way we consume content and there's a lot of value added to the initial stream or the mainstream by people who want to just hang out with their favorite um, you know, Twitch personality or perhaps something like the No Majors Club with personalities that they might prefer to the people who are on the desk. Uh, the issue is, though, of course, <clears throat> if Starletter are basing some of their uh, income for this tournament on the sponsorships, which is actually quite fair enough, then there's a whole lot of viewers that they're not actually getting the uh, views for and that's going to affect their bottom line. I don't think that's unreasonable for them to want and... If things change, and I think they probably will, i I think it's probably unreasonable of us to call to cry foul because that's how the broadcast industry has worked for a long time. Uh, and as someone who's in the TV and film industry, yeah, it uh, it's not keeping up with the times, but I understand it from Starlighter's point of view. Now, <clears throat> one of the other things, uh, I should just say, if you're not sure what a DMCA is, that's the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. It's just basically uh, like a legal writ that says you have to stop broadcasting this or face legal consequences. Now, the other controversy before we move on to the first day of the New Legends stage, which happened last night, is about the observing. If you've been watching it, you would notice that the observing isn't as good as we're used to with uh, regular tournaments, uh, regular large tournaments, I should say. And people like Prius uh, have come out and stated their basically their principles behind good observing with sort of a pretty bald-faced uh, accusation towards uh, StarLadder, which is not unfounded in my opinion, that they really have not been getting or using observers of Tier 1 material. <clears throat> that perhaps, perhaps might be down to the fact that the observers StarLadder are using are more uh, used to observing PUBG, Apparently, they are the in-house observers for their PUBG tournaments as well, which is a very different kettle of fish when it comes to observing. I would prefer to focus on the positives of this tournament, and some of those positives are, for me, the fact that Machine and Henry G are making such a wonderful combo. Now, we did report last episode that Henry G was teaming up with Machine. I think we did report it, but anyway, either he wasn't... Either I reported that or that he wasn't uh, casting with Sadikist. Machine has been one of the joys of this tournament so far for me. His enthusiasm and his jokes and just his infectious desire to bring you the most out of the teams, the players, and the plays has just been amazing. I think Sadikist has been a killer on the desk as well. Now, we should mention as well, that I did have a thought about some of the criticism Pimp has been getting on the desk. Uh, and if you're a listener of Return By The Numbers as well, you might know that they've been talking about Pimp. And basically put his, uh, some of the flack he gets online about his analyst desk down to the fact that he has a somewhat hard-to-understand accent. Now, as I was watching this, I did have a thought that maybe it's not his accent because I think there are people with worse accents um, or harder-to-understand accents. For instance, Natu who sometimes sits on the analyst desk. Um, I think it's actually his earnestness Um, and sometimes the banality of what he says. Now, I don't have a problem with Pimp. I think he's obviously a lovely guy. I think he does have some way to go before he is tier one analyst. And I think that is down to the fact that he is sometimes too earnest. And that earnestness results in him saying... Um, some real inanities which just feels like filler so let me explain this the inanities are sometimes uh, like uh, saying things like um, G2 really needed to win that round and really needed to show up and really needed to play well and they're just redundant statements that sound like they're filling time and it sounds a bit like someone who's just trying to sound uh, intelligent as opposed to or knowledgeable as opposed to actually saying something surprising or um, value-giving. Now, I don't think that's because Pimp doesn't have any good ideas. I think he's got some great ideas and great knowledge about the game. There's something about the way he organizes his thoughts when he's on the desk, though, that I think needs work, and it results in this filler um, coming out. The other issue is the earnestness, and that's not something I have a problem with, but if you notice the way bullies work in high school, sometimes they pick out the most earnest person. Uh, and earnestness sometimes comes down to vulnerability and a really a, <clears throat> a lack of, as um, we say, like persona. Now, some people uh, probably a way to f- demonstrate this really clearly is by someone else who's come into the desk as as a sort of a surprise in the last 24 hours, which, you know, if you'd listen to his podcast as well, it's not really a surprise, who's Thorne. Now, Thorne's built a really, really strong persona uh, in in the public who is a trickster and a joker and deflects a lot of comments and a lot of criticism by being a joke and by being funny. Um, And Pimp doesn't have that second layer of personality. And the second layer of personality means that anything that comes towards him um, as a joke or, or, or potentially about him or, or making fun of him hits, hits him individually rather than hitting a shield that's in front of him. Um, and so what it means is that he, 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 it's evident that he is more vulnerable than the other people on the desk, including Sean Garas, uh, Sadakist, um, Sponge, who do have a very well developed persona? What I think that does that that sort of a personality in high school you can, which is where you can see it very clearly, is present a somewhat of a target to people who are looking to take out their own frustration on other people, because if you see someone who doesn't have that sort of a developed persona or shield, it's much easier to wound them uh, than it is someone who really has developed um, maybe a swagger persona or a uh, you know like an an artistic persona or a goth person persona. Uh, and I don't think Pimp has that. Pimp, Pimp's obviously had some sort of personal transformation the last few years um, where he's sort of come out of this very different person into this new person. Uh, and to do that, I actually think you really do have to be really earnest and honest with yourself. Um, and it takes a while to Take yourself less seriously because to create that change in yourself, you really do have to take yourself 100% seriously and become the most important thing in your life for quite some time. I think it'll take him a bit of time to develop a much more joking, um, relaxed uh, side and I think that's when we'll see the pimp that really is going to own these analyst desks and not attract the sort of criticism... Uh, from people online who are looking to take out their own anger or pain onto various people. Um, so that's my analysis of why Pimp gets uh, flack. Um, and I didn't mean for it to go on that long, but there you go. Now, we have had the first stage of the new Legends. That happened last night, and we had Ents versus and uh, Ents destroyed Avangar 16-5. That was slightly surprising to me I thought that perhaps the fact that they have kicked out Alexi B or that's upcoming after the major would dampen these guys cohesion but it appeared not and in fact Alexi B did a very dignified interview afterwards Um, and Twister I think the coach said that it really hadn't affected the team so that was cool to see a little bit surprising that Ivango got so heavily banged but there you go then we had Astralis versus Dream Eaters. Astralis beat Dream Eaters 16-9. They had a bit of a shaky start, but then kind of things seemed to ramp up a lot more as we expected, and perhaps Astralis are back. Who knows? The next matchup was NRG versus Renegades. Renegades were looking good. They were looking much better than they may be looking in the last couple of months, uh, and this went down to a very, very close uh, 15-14 scoreline, and NRG just managed to pit them out at 16-14. Uh, This actually bodes well for Renegades. I don't think that's a scoreline to be ashamed of, and the game wasn't a game to be ashamed of, although Gratisfaction still seems to be going somewhat missing. Hopefully, he'll get his... uh, He'll get his... um, What do we call it? What what was uh, Cold Zero on? His human growth hormone, uh, his anabolic steroids in the next 24 hours. Liquid then played Crazy. Liquid beat them 16-9 on Mirage. This was a good game, and Crazy put up a very good first half, but were far, far too intimidated by Liquid in the second half. These guys have a mental game to overcome in the next few matches if they want to go through to the legend stage. Vitality beat North 16-9. This was uh, probably a little less close than I was expecting, but it appears Vitality have definitely got their mojo back, and North really couldn't put up that much of a fight on Inferno. Then we had FaZe versus Mouseports. Now, this is a matchup that we've had uh, somewhat... Um, regularly in the last couple of months well at least twice uh, and Mouseports have beat FaZe including in a best of 3-2-0 so I was not looking forward to this because it felt like a bit of a replay but FaZe managed to beat them 16-8 and that was on Mirage and Mouseports really got shut out a few times Um, there was a bit of wobbles from FaZe in that that way they've been sort of wobbly here and there losing some 2v5s you know since they're uh, basically since they're disastrous face at major london performances. Uh, But I feel better about FaZe going into the rest of these matches because we saw some tactics from them on the T side that we haven't seen since Carrigan's removal, really. Some new stuff, which is very, very exciting. And it appears that they've somewhat come to um, a peaceful agreement with Neo. They seem to be working a lot harder. Uh, Nico actually bottom-fragged in this map, so perhaps the team roles have been... Has shifted somewhat. Rain top fragged, and then Olaf Meister came second. So this could be a changing of the guard for FaZe, and who knows? Perhaps us FaZe fans have something to look forward to for the rest of the tournament. Then we had uh, Natus Vincere versus G Two. G Two managed to win this out nineteen seventeen. It was very very close. I thought um, this was going to be one of the most exciting matches to watch,es and indeed it, to watch. And indeed it was. This was on Overpass and. <sighs> Yeah, I think tomorrow... Wait, who, who are these guys playing? Um, G2 are going to be playing uh, Astralis, and Na'Vi are going to be playing Dream Eaters. So, yeah, G2 have got the harder matchup there. Na'Vi have definitely got the easier matchup, but um, it's possible... I don't know. I don't really know what to say about this one. Uh, MIBR then played Ninjas in Pyjamas as the last matchup, and I thought Ninjas in Pyjamas would win this easy because MIBR are back to playing with Zeus, their coach. But MIBR won 16, 12. This is embarrassing for NIP. Now, they do have Golden, who's coming to play for Plopsky, who can't play in this major, uh, because, of course, he tried to qualify with Ancient. But still, that's really no excuse. In an interview, I think, with, I can't remember who it was, but it appeared Lecro is doing the IGLing, and Golden's just simply as a player uh, taking Plopsky's roles. And their whole training seems to be a bit of a schmuzzle right now on who they're playing with and how they're playing and who's playing what roles. So perhaps it's not surprising that MRBR beat them like this, taco top fragging. This is disappointing if you're a Nip fan, though, because this was disastrous, especially from Forrest, who went out 10-20, 10 kills to 20 deaths and missed some pretty easy AWP shots. Now, as I said, the New Legend stage is going to start off with Astralis versus G2. Uh, then... Um, Liquid versus NRG. Uh, this is the day two matches, obviously. ENDS versus MIBR. Phase versus Vitality. <coughs> I think um, there's some clear winners from ENDS versus MIBR. Phase versus Vitality, perhaps not. That's going to be the match I'm watching. <laughs> I'm a fanboy. Uh, and in the 0-1 pool, we've got Navi versus Dream Eaters, Nip versus Crazy. Renegades versus Avangar. North versus Mouseports. I do expect Renegades to beat Avangar in that one. I think Norse versus Mouse Sports is going to be a, a close match, but Mouse Sports have a pretty good record against them. I think they beat them 2 0 in the minor. Um, <clears throat> Crazy should smash Nip. Navi should smash Dream Eaters. Australis versus G2 is going to be an interesting one. I think if Astralis have brought back any of their form, they should beat G2. But you never know. There's a bit of French magic coming out these days. Liquid should beat NRG. That's should be expected. Um, and then, yeah, if, if FaZe can shut down um, Zywoo, they should be looking good to beat uh, Vitality. Now, <clears throat> let's move on to some roster news. <laughs> Swedish team Ancient have called it quits after Plopsky was poached by NIP. Now, that was not that recent, obviously. It happened uh, maybe a month and a half ago. Uh, but those guys didn't recover. They brought in Grux to help them. He only lasted for two events, and then they tried to bring in Moddy, as I reported, maybe even last episode, but that didn't last. And, uh, of course, that team was Draken, Disco Doplin, Freddie B, Rusty, and Moddy at the time, and Baba, the coach. But, obviously, they just did not have the will to go on. They didn't have sponsors. They didn't have an organ. It's been a while. But uh, Draken said in his statement, I've decided not to continue with my friends from Ancient. We had a good run, and I did believe in this project, but when Plopsky left for NIP, something went missing. I'm confident I've never been better before, skill-wise, and I'm looking for a team anywhere, to be honest. Europe, NA, China, hell, I will even learn fucking Danish if it helps me get back to the top. So that's a man uh, desperate for another team. It's kind of a shame that these guys didn't uh, achieve anything better. For me, they were in that sort of um, no-chance basket. I don't mean that they had no chance to achieve anything. But in that sort of uh, tier 2 team, I guess, <coughs> with some ex-tier 1 pros, that somehow feels a little sadder <coughs> <coughs> Pardon me, than being in no team at all uh, and... No chance uh, is the prime example of this. No chance are, of course, the uh, team with Sticko, Crystal, Michael Ailey, and Zen. Anyway, I don't know where those guys are going to end up. There's probably going to be another Swedish shuffle in the next few months. So (laughs) who knows what's going to happen. Maybe we'll see Draken on complexity. Um, Speaking of Danish players, Freiburg has left Heroic. Uh, He issued a statement um, on his Twitter where he indicated that it was his decision, which seems to be a little suspicious to me because these guys were on the upswing, at least Heroic was, although Freiburg wasn't exactly. So for him to leave and become a free agent at this particular time seems a little suspicious. I suspect that the org actually gave him the dignified way out considering his, his, the elder state, he was the elder statesman of that particular lineup. <clears throat> I'm not sure who Freiburg might join at this point, he did say he's now a free agent looking for teams. So some of the speculation that he was going to go to Fnatic seems to be unfounded at this point. Um, I guess I guess he's available to join one of these mooted uh, free agent teams that might be being created in the next month or two, like Dignitas or 100 Thieves. Um, but there are so many older pros out there or pros who are sort of as old as him who seem to have somewhat more of a cachet Right now. I'm thinking about kiyoshima and Flusher. But I'm not sure where Freiberg should end up. <coughs> oh, pardon me, I've got a bit of a frog in the old throat throat. But uh I think probably he's still got a lot of value as an older player to bring um, you know, some guidance and experience to a younger team. So hopefully we'll see him on a team. He's nothing but lovely when he's when he's doing interviews and I think he's uh, know he's a reassuring presence in the scene. He's a bit of a teddy bear. Now, as I mentioned before, Ents have decided to get rid of Alexi B. That's confirmed after the major that's going to happen, and Sonny's coming in. Now, one of the things that's kind of crazy about this, and this was posted out by a user on Reddit called Rumboy T, or Rumbo YouTube, or I'm not sure how you say his name. This is an article from VP Esports a month ago where VP Esports asked Alexi B., After the Katowice Major, there was a rumour about Ents considering a roster move to sign Sonny. How close to the truth is this? And Alexi B replied, From my perspective, it's not true at all. I mean, not once did we talk about it within the team, and even Sonny said somewhere I think that even if he got the offer, he wouldn't join. But we hadn't been talking about it, because when we started this team and where we are now, we have been making so much progress. If we change a player now, I think it would ruin our team." Some of the criticism now that has been leveled against Ents has been that they have been... That been, 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 been. I've got to stop saying been. The criticism has focused on the fact that the IGL um, really appears to have contributed a lot to the success events. The way they played is quite slow. It appears to be rather tactical, and it was different to some of the other top teams at a time when they kind of burst onto the scene. And people have been likening this to phases, getting rid of Carrigan. Now, the response from Ents has pretty much uniformly been that Alexi B wasn't the uh, IGL we think he is. And in fact, alu has been doing a lot of the technical calling, or the tactical calling, I should say, on this team. So I guess Alu's going to be the IGL. Sonny's going to come in for some more firepower, and that'll be the difference in that team. Um... We did speculate about where Alexity might end up on the last podcast. Let's move on. Envy have come out and said they're going to replace Sonic. Now, Sonic is, of course, a South African orper who's been there only for three months. Nifty is going to go back to AWPing and perhaps leaving the IGL role or sticking with the IGL role. I'm not sure. We're not sure who's going to go into Envy at this point. I think this team's actually a bigger shambles and complexity. <clears throat> and as I've said before, I think they backed the wrong horse with Nifty as the core of this team. I think Nifty is more of a gun for hire. Uh, I think he's a, what is he? He strikes me as sort of the man with no name in some, in some ways. He's a journeyman. He'll play whatever game you put in front of him and he'll do it to the best of his ability. But I don't think he's, I don't think he sees us go through and through. I don't think he's the person to build a core around. I might be wrong. Uh, now, during his time with MV Sonic, helped to qualify for IEM Chicago, but those guys lost to Liquid and MiBR and came in last place. They didn't qualify then for ESL One New York or the uh, current major. So those guys have just really, really underperformed. Uh, as of course they, uh, I mean they have Som, they have Android, they have Fugly. Uh, Android and Fugly in particular have played on t- teams that are much better than this. Have had much better results in the last six months. Um, and they also have Nifty. So I think those guys <coughs> probably uh, are disappointed right now as Jason Lake, especially seeing as Envy used to be a tier one French team many years ago. Uh, and I don't know what to do there. I don't know what they should be doing. I think they should probably be building um, something a little less tier two-y myself. I'm not sure how they're making the money, but perhaps it's because of the Envy N- own other uh, esports teams. Now, back to the uh, Australian shores. We do have some news about order. They've added you still So the Lobster left Renegades about exactly a year ago now, actually. Um, He had some spells on Tainted Mines and Icon, and if you recall IEM Sydney, he played one match for phases, a stand-in, and top-fragged, I think with a 1.58 KD or something, a 1.58 rating. Anyway, he was an absolute monster Lobster. Now, he has replaced Joshua Potter, aka Inns, he was the highest ranked player on Order. So perhaps he's left for uh, Greyhound. It could be that they've pipped him to replace Urkast. Order have definitely disappointed in the last six months. Um, The results haven't been so good. So perhaps Ustilo is going to add that extra experience and fragging power. Um, Well, it's a shame that their top frag is leaving. But, you know, as we we said, he did seem to have a lot of hunger when he joined FaZe for that brief stand-in. So... Maybe he'll be a match for Inns. Time will tell. Uh, just quickly, Existence have signed a new roster. That's X6TENCE. They're, of course, the Argentinian team who used to be called Existence Galaxy. <coughs> They're back in the back in the um, scene with, with players from Team 1, Miami Flamingos and Gale Force. Uh, I don't know any of them. Johnny Boyd, Tommy, Tutahen, Nico M, OMG and Feldman. I think if you're... <clears throat> name, if your name is Nico M., even at this point, you change it. That's all I have to say about that team. Uh, and I did t- talk about them briefly before, but no chance have actually parted ways with Thomas. Those guys had a pretty good run at the minors, actually, for, considering that they're an orgless team um, of international players. Uh, but I just think, like Nico M., you should change your name. I mean, you literally labeled yourself as as having no chance that's just crazy unless somewhere somewhere uh in the timeline of creating this team the idea behind no chance (laughs) was that you had no chance to lose but it certainly doesn't sound like that at all um and if i were you guys i would change it to uh big chance or um high percentage chance (laughs) or uh lots of chance or nothing down to chance. Um, Anything is better than no chance. You may as well call yourself a band of losers. Um, That's my thoughts on you guys. I think you, um, if you are listening to this podcast, which would be kind of strange, um, change your bloody name. It's not like you have an, an obligation to an organization at this time. Make it something positive and something that we actually want to barrack for. Uh, Now, that's basically it for the Counter-Strike stuff. Let's just talk about some thoughts before we wrap this up. So, one of the things I've noticed this time around while the Major's going on is that I just do not have the constitution to stay up and watch all the matches like I did, or like I have done in the past. And now, I didn't always stay up until 4... 5am watching them because that is obviously insane, it's an insane thing to do every day uh, but I often stayed up until maybe 2 or 3 watching some, as many of the matches as I could before I kind of conked out. The problem with this was that, or at least now, or, well there was no problem maybe a year and a half ago when I was doing this because I was sort of um, in a repairing stage in my life and I was happy to spend my time recuperating somewhat. Emotionally and physically and all that kind of stuff. My life is gearing up now again to really kick along with my own ambitions, and there is nothing worse for feeling like you're making progress in your life than waking up at midday, feeling like you've missed half the day, uh, and because it, it really messes, it really messes with your head. I think I feel like there's something to it as a young man who has ambitions, I still think of myself as young, uh, that just destroys your feeling of accomplishment and motivation. I shouldn't say yours, I should say mine. Um, It actually feels as if you're reacting to the day as opposed to acting in the day. Um, And so I'm not really sure if I can watch as many of the games as I wanted to this time around. And I've missed probably half of them, to be honest with you, this major. Because I can't watch the demos the next day as well because I want to work. I want to um, make progress on my own stuff. Now, I think think there is one drawback to the way I'm thinking about my life currently. Um, And it's somewhat related to what I'm talking about here with sleep. And it's that right now I kind of feel a bit like a collection of habits that I should or shouldn't be doing. So we we all have an image of ourselves that changes over time, and it's amorphous, and it's um, you know massively multifaceted. But right now, every day it feels like I'm sort of shuffling down this narrow corridor of to-dos, um, <clears throat> which is a very different experience to when I was younger, and the world was a larger horizon, uh, and I could run almost in any direction. And maybe this is what being an adult's like. I'm not sure. But what I'm talking about is that I'm, I feel like I'm constantly making these um, <clears throat> cautious decisions about what I shouldn't, be, shouldn't shouldn't be doing. So don't drink caffeine after 12 or you'll be up all night. Don't eat too much bread, exercise every day. Don't look at screens in bed, not after 10 pm. Don't get caught, you know, scrolling for a long time on social media. I feel like this is this kind of endless list of cautionary things um, and it's actually it's actually, Starting to get me down somewhat and I think part of the reason that these voices in me are so strong about what I should and shouldn't do comes down to the way we have crafted a narrative around mental health in the last kind of decade or two or at least in my experience and it really kind of crystallized the other day when I was sitting with my mum and one of my uh, relatives is going through a an intensive two-week uh, rehab clinic right now <clears throat> where every day they sit with a... Uh, they do personal therapy and they do group therapy and they have this real support system. They can't have any sort of addiction addictive substances in there. They can't have sugar. They can't have caffeine. They can't have phones. Um, and they're fed really healthy meals and they get really good sleep and all that kind of stuff. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, and my mother was talking about this relative, uh, as if one of the things that they just needed to do when they got depressed was to, uh, do exercise, you know, get adequate sleep, eat good food. Despite the fact that this relative had been stuck in a depressive phase for basically 20 years. Um, and had really spent the last 10 years at least just sitting around playing video games, um, feeling like they were unable to work, feeling like they were unable to do almost any sort of uh, productive hobby even. And it's not that dissimilar from my father's advice for depression or anxiety, which has always been, just get out there and do it. You know, just, just you just gotta get up in the morning and 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 put your game face on and, and, and get out there and, and, and do something and earn some money and save for a house and, uh, you know, have a family. The, the, The idea of just doing it is anathema to people who have had very different experiences growing up, to my parents. And I think this is where this idea of activities and of things that you should and shouldn't do is missing the point sometimes. Because sometimes we don't feel like we have enough support to even do the things that we know will help our mental health. And this and this was clarified, and it wasn't only this conversation with my mom, but in this research that I've been doing about group interventions, which is where someone's having a mental problem um, and a therapist organizes a group of people to have an intervention session with them. And there's this guy in particular I was following in the 70s called Yuri Raveni, who worked on this particular type of therapy called network therapy, which is basically group interventions where let's say you're a 20-year-old kid You've uh, locked yourself in your room. You won't go out. You barely eat. All you do is play video games. Maybe you've been suicidal. Um, Maybe your mental health is verging on, you know, manic depressive. Um, Maybe you've self-harmed, and your family doesn't know what to do about this anymore, and they're desperate. And so they'll organise a group of thirty or forty people, um, sort of really a a minimum of that that amount, and hothouse this problem in your own living room, in your own house. And there's some specific stages they go through, which I won't go into now. But one of the things that Yuri used to do, if the family couldn't gather enough people, let's say they couldn't get 20 people because close relatives have died or whatever, then he would go around to neighbor's houses and pull neighbors out. They would go to the local church and pull the congregation out and just pump the numbers up. And this is obviously scary for a lot of people, or was at the time, because we were very nervous about having our dirty laundry aired in public, or having strangers or people whose opinion we're um, wary of knowing what's going on in our lives. The thing that this did, uh, and this had basically almost a 100% success rate, was create a support system for people who were stuck, who weren't able to uh, get themselves out to exercise or get adequate sleep or eat good food, feeling like they had enough of a solid base and enough of um, people who cared about them to actually do these things. Because I don't think we really will treat ourselves well, and that's essentially what exercise and good sleep and um, good food is doing. It's saying, I'm worthy of being treated well, and if we don't have enough self-worth to do that, then we're just not going to be able to do it. Which is to say, before all of these things that we think of as um, first, uh, what should we say, the first, um, the triage for depression. So the very first things that you apply to depression or anxiety, I think before all of that is emotional support, feeling like we're a part of a circle of people who are interested about us, um, interested in us. And so I think, I think if you are depressed or you are anxious, better than going for a run, better than eating good food, better than getting good sleep is connecting with people who care about you. And that sometimes means being honest about how you feel. And part of the reason as well, I'm talking about this on this podcast is because I've talked often about quitting video games and quitting Counter-Strike or lowering the way you play it or the amount you play it and replacing it with other things and other hobbies and other things to do. And I have talked about the importance of connecting with friends and family, but I realise that actually that is the number one thing and it has to come before you simply replace activities or you simply try and treat yourself well. You have to know that you're cared and sometimes that does mean reaching out to people who you think might be interested in what's going on in your life Um you don't have to rant. You don't have to lay your problems on them. And sometimes just them giving you the time of day to go and have a cup of coffee and talk about something completely different than your problems is enough to make you feel like you are cared for because someone's giving up their time to come and meet you. I also think what the stories about Yuri Yu and his uh, network therapy reveal is that our instinct for gossip is... Really, a survival instinct. Um, and we think about it these days as voyeuristic uh, and as probably a negative thing that we want to know what's going on in everyone else's lives. And we read gossip magazines or we read celebrity news or we um, stalk people on Instagrams and stuff. <clears throat> but actually, knowing what's going on in your neighbor's life or someone you care about's life is so vital. Not only for um, them, but also for you. Because if you know what's happening, then you can help them. Uh, And if you can help them, they can help you. And there's no way that they will feel like they're a part of a community unless people know at some level that they need help. Uh, And so that's kind of the other thoughts I've been having. Um, Just circling back to the sleep thing, there was a top post on Reddit recently, which was a, a really fun read. Uh, about the sleep thing and you may have seen it if you're a regular reddit user but this guy posted i'm a high school student just a freshman and sometimes i feel that if i go to sleep early then i'll be uh then i'll just be like well this day just felt like school barely any time at home and so he said sometimes i just stay up so i actually feel more at home and not always have that feeling of just school 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 does anyone else feel this way maybe with work as well i think this struck a nerve especially in the type of people who scroll reddit But often, if you haven't achieved enough in your day to feel like you're in control of your own time, it can lead to staying up really late. And I've experienced this almost with every job I've done that is for other people. So I have been able to work on my own stuff for a significant portion of my time, I think at least compared to friends of mine who went straight into the corporate world after university. But every time I have gone and worked for someone else, I might do an eight hour day or a nine hour day and I come home and I'll stay up later just to feel like I have had enough of my own time away from work. And there are so many good responses to this thread. Uh, And I've got some of them down here and I was going to read them, but I actually think um, maybe I don't need to. Because if you know know what I'm talking about, then you'll (laughs) You'll, you'll understand immediately. Sometimes it's like not until 1 a.m. where you really feel like the world is yours and you're in control and there's quiet and there's no other human beings around. There's no noise and there's no demands on your attention uh, and your time. And I think especially if you have a spouse or you have children, that's sometimes the time when it just really feels like it's you and the world and no one wants anything from you and no one demands anything from you and you can kind of just be your own God for a little bit the issue with this feeling which for me is has been a lifelong really a lifelong feeling that i've had or a lifelong habit i've had i should say is that it does create this cycle where i am tired the next morning because i've stayed up too late or when i don't have work the next day i wake up at midday and screw up my week what i'm going to try in the next week or two is to do some of my own make sure I have some of my own time every day before I start work for someone else because I think one of the reasons we feel or at least I feel at the end of the day like I haven't had enough me time is because there was such a large spedge of the day going straight from waking up to working for someone else that I didn't feel like I was actually present in my own life and maybe if I carve out just a little bit of time in the morning just a little bit even if it's only 20 minutes for myself to work on my own thing then I won't feel the need necessarily to stay up as late as I do right now. So I'm going to try and do that. I think some people meditate. I find working on my own stuff gives me some of the same, um, how should I say, effects as other people describe their meditation or their yoga give them. So I'm going to try that and report back. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. it was kind of uh, some thoughts that are all over the place this week, but there you go I uh, hope you're enjoying the major um, and if you want to um, support the podcast you can do so on our patreon patreon.com slash the truth csgo you can email me the truth of the truth the music was by beaufort.asia thank you to the patrons I'm I wonder if I should read your names out that's what return of the by the numbers do uh, I'm not sure if you'd like your name read out let me know otherwise I'll keep you anonymous because <clears throat> I'm not sure I haven't thought about that kind of thing. This is all new to me. Um, you can tweet me at the Truth CSGO or join the Discord for the major. Um, actually, enjoying playing Counter Strike a lot more in the last couple of weeks, and so I've been playing a little bit more um, sometimes during the matches as well. So if you want to queue while there's a game on, let me know. Uh, I'm Golden over one at this point in time. <laughs> so if you're uh, if you're Lem, we probably can't. We probably can't queue. But if you're silver, I have an alt and we can queue together. We've been having some fun with some of the listeners recently. Oh, one other thing I should say. I did notice that when I was sick, and I don't mean, I mean like in the first stages of my real being really being sick, but shortly after when I was kind of still sick, but, you know, able to potter about, my CSGO was much, much, much better than now when I'm healthy. And it was almost as if my body was slowed down so much that I was taking in things uh, and being a lot less um, fueled by kind of twitchy adrenaline and making worse decisions so I'm going to look into that because I think it has something to do with heart rate Uh, and I'm not sure whether I have a faster heart rate now or a faster one when I was sick I have no idea about um, anything medical and so I need to speak to a doctor about this but I think there's something in it and that's something I'm going to check out in a future episode so enjoy the major and enjoy the game and next episode will probably be at the end of the new challenges new legend stage all right till next time